Amen. Thank you, Amanda. Just a little bit of a tease there to lead into having Pastor Matt with us this morning. Just a little bit of info for those of you who don't know him personally. Pastor Matt uh, grew up in Cedar Falls, Indiana? Iowa. Iowa. I, the, those two-letter acronyms are not terribly helpful. 
He moved to Scroon Lake, New York during high school and graduated from Word of Life Bible Institute, Bible Baptist College, now Clark Summit University, and Bible Baptist Seminary. He and his wife, Kathy, have three sons. Matthew ministers as the pastoral team leader at Faith in Cortland, New York, since 1999, and he also serves as the police chaplain for both the City of Cortland Police Department and the Cortland County Sheriff's Department. He and his family enjoy the outdoors, especially hiking and riding their horses, and I could probably add one more thing. He loves preaching. Like That's one of those things you can tell when you talk to somebody who shares the word, whether it's a drudgery or whether it's something that they're passionate about. And so we're going to let you come do what you're passionate about, Matt. We thank you for being here. We're excited to hear what the Lord has laid on your heart this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, this is great to be able to be together with you uh, here this morning. I've uh, met uh, probably most of you. Uh, I see many faces that I know, and I am just thankful for this opportunity to be part of the Pastor Christmas rotation, and uh, especially to be able to share God's Word with you here this morning. I just realized that I didn't turn my phone off, so I better do that now. <laughs> All right. Well, I want you to know I have great respect for Pastor Tim and Barb and the ministry here at Calvary Baptist uh, here in Preble, and I especially want to thank you guys for Josh and Katie. Uh, they are doing a wonderful job down there. We are so thankful uh, for their ministry and the talents that God has uh, given them. Uh, I don't know what we would do without them. Uh, we're so very thankful. And I'm very excited about God, how God is using you as a congregation in your community. Uh, I was, uh, want to commend you on the spaghetti dinner and the auction uh, for the Preble Fire Department. And I love seeing the boot out there and the notes that, uh, of encouragement to the fire department. Uh, I think God is doing some great things uh, in and through you to impact your community with the love of Jesus. As was mentioned earlier, uh, for those of you that don't know me, I have served as a police chaplain in Cortland for the last 19 years. And so once a week, I go out and uh, I ride a shift with the officers. And I'm also on call to respond to emergencies and uh, in those unfortunate circumstances of uh, making the death notifications uh, here in our county. And when something happens, the responding officer has three priorities when, they, when he or she responds to a scene. Uh, the first priority is to ensure the safety of those who are on the scene. In other words, to preserve life and prevent further injury. And so the officer will go and he'll make sure there's no longer any threat and uh, he or she will treat anyone who has been hurt. The second priority is to secure the scene, to protect the surroundings and preserve any evidence for the investigation that will take place. And the third thing that he or she will do is interview the witnesses at the scene. 
Uh, they will record statements that individuals make. They will interview the eyewitnesses, as, and they'll ask them questions about what happened, what they saw, what they heard. And they'll take all of that information and they'll compile it into a written report. And really, that's what we have in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Go ahead, take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. In the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke really is an investigative report written by a man named Luke who happened to be a doctor. And this is how he begins his Gospel. Follow along as I read. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses. See that word, eyewitnesses? They were right there. And ministers of the Word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. The name Theophilus actually means God-lover. That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Our faith is based on fact, not fiction. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and perhaps you have questions about Jesus. And if that's true of you, I'm so glad that you joined us, whether in person or online. And I want to encourage you to get your questions answered and do some research And if I or those here at Calvary Baptist can assist you in any way, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to let us know. And I'd highly recommend uh, a few books written by Lee Strobel. Uh, I don't know how many of you know Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel was uh, a legal editor for the Chicago Tribune. And he actually started out as an atheist who wanted to disprove the claims of Christianity. But during his investigation, he came across the evidence that pointed to the truth about Jesus. And as a result, he himself became a follower of Jesus. And there are several books that he has written. I'd encourage you to uh, pick them up. One's The Case for Faith. Another's called The Case for Christ. And a third is called The Case for Christmas. And the reason I believe in the Bible and the reason that I believe in Jesus is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As Andy Stanley once put it, if someone can predict his death, burial, and resurrection and actually pull it off, I'm with him. And that's true of me. So today, we're going to investigate the very first responders to the birth of Jesus. Now, uh, you've already uh, looked at the response of Simeon and the response of Anna. And today, we're going to look at the response 
of the shepherds. What they heard, what they saw, it changed their lives and it has the power to change your life and mine as well. And Dr. Luke, as we read, he interviewed various eyewitnesses that, and we're going to hear from them what, what we're about to read here. And maybe he talked directly to one of the shepherds. We don't know for sure. Even more probable, he actually probably interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, who treasured all of these things in her heart. And so, this is what we read under the inspiration of the Spirit that Dr. Luke records for us. Turn over to Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. Who are these shepherds that the angels appeared to? Well, back in that day, shepherds did not carry much status in their culture. We have various writings back from a, a couple centuries before Jesus coming and a couple centuries after. And they give us some indications of how people viewed shepherds. They were normally uneducated and they smelled lousy. They had a hard, thankless job and it was dangerous. It was their responsibility to protect the sheep from robbers and from wild animals. And because the shepherds moved around a lot, they were isolated, forgotten. Many times they were treated with contempt and mistrust. They were often accused of stealing. In fact, uh, we record in some of the Jewish uh, rabbinical writings that they, they could not even testify in court because of their reputation. Near Bethlehem, that's where these shepherds were, they raised the sheep for the temple sacrifices. And yet, because of the nature of their work, they were considered unclean and so they could not even participate in the religious services. Now think about that. They were not even able to personally sacrifice the sheep that they were raising for the sacrifices. 
Michael and Stormy O'Mardian capture what it may have been like to be a shepherd in a song called Nothing Ever Happens to a Shepherd. And this is what they write. It's cold outside in this God-forsaken place, and we're stuck here with a thousand sheep. While life is exciting for everybody else, the highlight of our day is sleep. Anybody have a job like that? It's lonely out here in this isolated job. Our position is without esteem. We're socially challenged. We're society scourged. We're not exactly every woman's dream. Shepherds have a humble purpose. Of our fate, few people care. Sometimes I wonder if God knows we exist, and if He does, He's forgotten where. Nothing ever happens to a shepherd. Life is boring as can be. While exciting things occur all over the world, nothing ever happens to me. Have you ever felt like that? Lonely? Weary? Do you ever wonder if anybody actually cares? Do you ever feel that even God, perhaps, has forgotten about you? God had not forgotten about these shepherds. And I want you to know that God has not forgotten about you. In fact, God has a very special message for you this morning. Because on that silent night, these shepherds heard something. They heard something that changed their life forever. They heard something that can change our lives forever. Because the angel of the Lord, he burst forth in the darkness, with the light of the glory of the Lord, and with a life-changing message. Let's take a look at that message. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Who is this message for? Who is it for? You can speak to me this morning. The shepherds and, I heard it over here, for everyone. It's for all people. Who is this message for? Say it with me. It's for all people. Everyone. That's right. Somebody has said this, the good news of Jesus is for the outcast and the downcast, the upright and the uptight, the sinner and the saint, the rich and the poor, the nobodies and the somebodies, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is for everybody, for all people. It's for the person who's not yet a follower of Jesus. To help bring them to Jesus. To help bring them to new life. But it's not just for the person who's not yet a follower of Jesus. The gospel is for the new follower Jesus. 
as they begin their journey in their new life. And the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is for the longtime follower of Jesus. So that each and every day, you and I can become more and more like Jesus, to, to love like Jesus, to live like Jesus, until Jesus returns. You see, the gospel, the good news of great joy, is our motivation, it's our power, it's our hope. The gospel is the basis for everything we believe, everything we say, everything we do as followers of Jesus. And you and I can never have enough of the gospel. May we never get over it. May we never take it for granted. The greatness of the gospel. But what is this good news of great joy? It's actually a baby announcement. But not just any baby announcement. Look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, the good news is about a person, Jesus Christ. It's not about an empty religion with countless rules. Jesus was born for you. For me, it's personal. The good news is about a Savior, a Deliverer, someone to save you and me from our sins, from the wrongs we have done. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why He was born in that cradle to go to the cross in the manger so that He could die in my place, in your place, to give us life. He came to save us, forgive us, and bring us back into a right relationship with the Holy God. This is really good news of great joy. The good news is about the Christ. That's a title. It's about the promised Messiah, the one who would reign as King of Kings. And though right now we live in a world that's broken, it's filled with evil and violence and injustice and sickness and sadness and disasters and death. But one day, one day, Jesus is going to come back. And He's going to reign with justice and peace forever and ever. And all that's wrong with this world will be made right. This is truly good news of great joy. And this good news is about the Lord. That's a name. 
That's the personal name of the covenant-keeping God of Israel, Yahweh. He's the self-existent God. He's the one who needs absolutely nothing from us and yet has given everything to us. The Lord. He's the one who loves you unconditionally. He's the one who keeps His promises completely. He's the one, the God, who made you. He's the God who saved you. He's the God I can trust to lead me and care for me and provide for me. This indeed is good news of great joy. And it was to these shepherds that the angels appeared and proclaimed the good news of great joy to all people. But Luke continues, look at verse 12. He says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. See, the angels didn't just proclaim the good news of great joy. They dispatched the shepherds on a special mission. A mission to witness firsthand and experience firsthand the coming of our Savior into the world. And these angels told the shepherds where to go, prophesied from long ago, back in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, to the city of David, Bethlehem. Not only did they tell them where to go, they told them what they would find. They would find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. What incredible news the shepherds heard that night. But the shepherds not only heard something, they also saw something that night. Look at verse 15. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and... What's the word? See. Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they, what? What's the word? They saw it. They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Notice the response of the shepherds. When the call goes out, when the alarm sounds, you don't just sit on your hands at the station. You make haste and you go. They had faith in what the angels told them and they responded with, let's roll. And they went with haste to see it. And as a result, they saw, they experienced firsthand this incredible miracle of God becoming man, Emmanuel, God with us. But what if the shepherds had said, 
Wow, wasn't that a nice message? Wasn't that a great cantata? Aren't those angels, wow, they're, they're, they're really good singers. And, and the light show, just amazing. I can't wait to read all about it tomorrow in my social feed. They would have missed it. They would have missed the joy of experiencing God's promise fulfilled. In the world of first responders, when an accident occurs, especially on a highway, one of the great dangers are people that get so curious and distracted about what has happened that they slow down, they cause traffic jams, and even other accidents. We call this type of individual what? What do we call them? A rubbernecker, that's right. In some places in the country, they call them gawkers. All right? But we'll, we'll use the term rubbernecker. And I have a question for you this morning. When it comes to Jesus, are you a rubbernecker or a responder? Have you actually responded to the good news of Jesus? Or are you just curious? about him. Now, I mentioned earlier, it's good to get your questions answered. Facts are important. When dispatched to a scene, the first responder needs to know what he or she is walking into. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 14 says, before you become a follower of Jesus, count the cost. It, that's important. But there comes a time to make a decision and act. Because fact is, you will never know everything there is to know about Jesus. I certainly don't. And neither do you. I still have questions, and I'm sure you still have questions, and that's okay. But here are some questions that if you have the answer to, calls for a decision. The first question is this. Do you know that you're a sinner? Do you know that you've done wrong? I know I certainly have. God says all of us have sinned. We've all done wrong. We all fall short of God's glory and what He wants for our lives. And that separates us from a holy God. Do you know that you're a sinner? Second, do you want your sins forgiven? Do you want your sins forgiven? Do you believe that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the God-man? That He died for you in your place, was buried, and came back to life? Do you believe that? Do you want to follow Jesus? And finally, are you ready to ask Him, ask Jesus to save you and forgive you and lead you now? If you can answer yes to those questions right now, wherever you're at, here, 
watching online. You don't have to say anything out loud. You don't have to go through me or anyone else. You can simply, in your heart, call out to God and just simply say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I want to be forgiven. I believe that Jesus died for me, was buried, and came back to life. And I want to follow Jesus. Please save me, forgive me, and lead me right now. And when you call out on Him, you pass from death to life. When you respond to this good news of great joy, it will change your life. You become a new creation. God forgives your sin. You begin a spiritual journey becoming like Jesus each and every day. Learning to love like Jesus and live like Jesus. And Jesus will give you peace. The kind of peace the world cannot give you. The peace that passes all understanding. And He will give you joy, complete joy, not just a superficial, temporary happiness, but a lasting joy. And He will give you life, abundant life, eternal life. It's my prayer, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, that you would call out on Him today. The shepherds, though, They not only heard something, they not only saw something, but they also said something. Look at verse 17. It says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. I'm sure probably most of you here have heard the phrase, if you see something, what? Say something. Say that with me. If you see something, Say something. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. They heard something, they saw something, and they said something. They shared their story with others, and they praised God for what they had seen and heard. They couldn't help but share it. Because fact is, when it's personal to you, when you have experienced firsthand the goodness and the greatness of God and His salvation, you can't help but tell others about it. It comes naturally. It's not forced. Why? Because Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. Isn't that true? Jesus is too good to keep to myself and to yourself. Yet I realize, and I hate to admit this, but there have been times in my life when I had an opportunity to say something and I didn't. The opportunity was right there and yet I hesitated and missed the open door. Can anybody relate to me on that? I think that's probably true of all of us, right? Why does that happen? Why are we sometimes reluctant to share our stories? What was that? Yeah, many times it's because we're afraid. 
Uh, maybe we're afraid of being rejected, or maybe we're afraid of uh, what other people think. Maybe we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong thing and mess it up. Maybe you think, I just don't have what it takes. I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. What if they ask a question that I don't have the answer for? Well, if they ask a question that you don't have the answer for, just be honest and say, I don't know, but I'll look. I'm not sure, but I'll try to find out. Because what's important is your story. Your life change, what God has done in your life, people are going to be more convinced and more persuaded by your story than by the most logical and theological arguments that you can come up with. You will never argue someone into faith. It won't happen. Fact is, you and I aren't going to have the answers to every challenging question or objection. And that's okay. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, what you and I have is even better. We have the permanent indwelling of the Spirit of God within us. And it's the Spirit of God that helps you and me know what to say. It's the Spirit of God that convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. It's the Spirit of God that enlightens minds and opens hearts and brings new life. You and I don't do that. That's the Spirit of God. What you and I are given the mission to do is simply share the message. And that's what the shepherds did. But you might say, well, I, I don't want to be pushy. Right? Especially in today's world. I don't want to impose my beliefs on my family and friends. But when you humbly share your story and the difference Jesus has made in your life, you're not imposing your beliefs on anyone else. Rather, you're giving them an opportunity to hear about the one person that made an incredible difference in your life and who can truly make an eternal difference in their life. Remember what the Apostle Paul said. They can't believe and be saved if they don't hear. Let that sink in. Romans chapter 10. Words are absolutely necessary. Words are absolutely necessary for someone to be saved. But maybe you're thinking, well, I doubt God could use my story. And, and usually there's one of two reasons behind this. Uh, maybe you think, well, my story isn't very exciting. Uh, I came to Jesus at a young age and my life wasn't all messed up and falling apart. That's kind of like my story. I was saved at a young age. And I'm so glad I was because of God's work of keeping me. Who knows where I would have been? had I not come to Jesus at a young age. I know me. I'm a natural skeptic. Uh, you don't need to raise your hand, but anybody else natural skeptic? And when I was in high school, I began to wonder, have I been brainwashed my whole life? Is the Bible really true? Does God even exist? And thankfully, because God had gotten hold of my heart at a young age, 
the Spirit of God witnessed with my spirit that I was a child of God. And I, couldn't get, I could not get away from the fact that I knew it was true. And who knows where I would be except that God got a hold of my heart at a young age. And I'm thankful for that. But maybe for you, you think God can't use my story because my story's so bad. The things I've done, the people I've hurt. Well, the good news is that God loves you just as you are. The good news is that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And your story is compelling because it's your story of God's grace in your life. You are God's creation, His craftsmanship, His workmanship. You're called to be light and salt. You're a beloved child of God. Don't ever believe the lie that your story doesn't matter or that God can't use your story because your story does matter. But you might think, well, I don't know what to say. Well, let me help you with that. Because every story has three parts to it. The first, what was my life like before following Jesus? Part two, how did I become a follower of Jesus? And part three, what was my life like since following Jesus? What's my life like? What was it like before following Jesus? How did I become a follower of Jesus? What was my life like after or since following Jesus? And I want to encourage you to write down your story so you can be ready. Ask God for help as you do it. Don't use Christian jargon or Christian cliches that uh, somebody who's not yet a follower of Jesus isn't going to understand. The words justified, redeemed, uh, there's a whole list of them that we use. Just use simple language. They'll understand that. Be positive. Don't criticize other religious groups. Keep it short. I would encourage three to five minutes and keep it real. Be genuine. Be authentic. God has given you and me unique stories to tell of what He has done in our lives. Someone has said this, the courage it takes to share your story might be the very thing someone else needs to open their heart to hope. Are you ready to share your story? If someone asked, Peter says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you with gentleness and respect. I bet the shepherds could have used any one of those reasons to not say something, but they didn't. They heard something, they saw something, and they said something. This Christmas... You and I have a tremendous opportunity. It's quickly approaching. Can you believe it's almost here? But we have an opportunity to experience the good news of great joy for all people afresh. How can we do that this week? First, 
take the opportunity to hear something. To hear something. How do you do that? Well, first, you're going to need to get rid of distractions and quiet your heart before God. So easy to get so caught up in all the busyness, right? Take time alone with God. And let me encourage you to use a Bible reading plan. Uh, how many of you have heard of YouVersion? Uh, YouVersion Bible app, it's free. They have a lot of different Bible reading plans. Uh, right now, media has all sorts of uh, Bible study uh, videos, Bible Gateway. You can pick one up at the Christian bookstore, but take some time alone with God. And then read the Christmas story out loud together as a family. Hear something. Hear something and then see something. And again, Choose your activities intentionally. For if you're going to say yes to the most important things, you're also going to have to say no to perhaps even good things, but not the best things. God didn't call you and me to be busy followers of Jesus. He called us to be better followers of Jesus. So choose intentionally what you're going to see. Attend a Christmas program or service to focus your attention. And then look for God sightings. Look for God sightings. What do I mean by that? Look for ways that God is at work in your life and in the lives of those around you. Hear something, see something, and then what? Say something. Praise God for His work in your life. That's why we gather together and we, we sing these songs. What are we doing? We're praising God for what He's done. Second, bless others. Bless others. Uh, there's a book written by Dave and John Ferguson. I greatly recommend it. The title is simply Bless. And it's an acrostic for how to end up naturally being able to share your story. B means begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. So write down a list. Could be a handful, three to five people that you would like to see come to Jesus or that you would like to share your story with and pray for them every day. Begin with prayer. L is listen. Listen to them. Listening is loving, and there are all sorts of people around you who are hurting and just need, simply need someone to listen to them. Can, can you do that? Can you listen to other people? And then eat with them. That's what Jesus did. He listened. He ate with them. He built bridges of friendship with them. Host a neighborhood Christmas party. Go to the parties of others. Build those bonds with them. Because when you pray, and when you listen, and when you eat, pretty soon you're going to find out what they need in their life, and you're going to have the opportunity to serve them. That's what Jesus did. He came to serve, didn't He? You're going to be able to help meet a need in their life. There are lots of needs around us. And when you do that, when you begin with prayer, and when you listen, and when you eat, and when you serve, eventually you're going to have a natural opportunity to share your story. 
And because you've taken the time to think through the three parts and you've written it down, you'll be ready to share your story. And then finally, bring someone to your Christmas Eve service or to church. Bring a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a classmate, a coworker. Uh, take an invite with you and bring them with you. As followers of Jesus, we of all people have something to celebrate this Christmas, don't we? It's good news of great joy to all people. So let's hear something, let's see something, and let's say something because Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. Say that with me. Jesus is too good to keep to yourself. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. May the Spirit of God complete it in our hearts and our lives that we would not just be hearers of the Word, but that we would be doers of the Word. Lord, this week as we pray for those around us that we know and care about and love, we pray for opportunities, for open doors and open hearts and that You would open our mouth, that we would say something that we would share the good news of Jesus and what He has done in our lives. God, thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the good news of great joy to all people. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.